everyone, and welcome to Minute 67 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Brett Stillo, filmmaker and a future and also former MXM host. Welcome back to the show, Brett. <sighs> it's nice to be working again. Thank I want to thank you for giving me this break. I'm I'm a little like Al Powers or or Al Powell. I uh, I'm I'm just I'm just uh, I'm a podcaster looking for a show, but I'm happy to be here talking about uh, this this quaint little quirky indie movie that came out in the summer of 1988. <laughs> yes, uh, a quiet, low budget movie um, set set in set in Los Angeles, quirky art. Uh, art commune Los Angeles or whatever, but uh, <laughs> exactly not, not the case. It's big and loud, and there's lots of explosions. Yes. And uh... <laughs> all right, so episode sixty-seven begins with Hans contemplating his next move, and ends with Holly leaving the room in a James Bond manner. <laughs> Very much. Okay, so yesterday we ended things with Holly showing up in her uh, her best '80s outfit, you know, with with her perm and with her shoulder pads and her her stern look at Hans, telling him that he's at fault for for giving her the opportunity of becoming the one in charge. You know, and I, I was just thinking about this. It's pretty funny that that she could ask one of the terrorists, "Take me to your leader," and nobody would care. You know, it's like they, they don't start questioning her. They don't start asking. I mean, later on, we get to the whole thing with Ellis where he does something similar. So does that mean mm-hmm. that anyone can just, you know, say, hey, Mr. Terrorist number three, um, I, I'd like to go talk to the boss. Like, how do you think she would have would have explained why she needs to go talk to him? You know, and who she is. That's a really good question. Um well, number one, I think it helps that she's, you know, she's a New Yorker, so she probably has that real blunt way of, you know, like, well, I need to talk to, you know, I need to talk to your boss. You know, also maybe, you know, the henchmen are sort of seeing, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're getting they're get, people are asking them to go to the bathroom. So maybe there's also a yeah, yeah. You know, what do we? You know, um, maybe they've just figured, yeah, this is a good time to to talk to the boss. Um, though, you know, I mean, you could argue you could argue that you know they're they don't care about human life, so why uh, why bother? But um, they just don't want it being very smelly from everyone peeing all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and you know, maybe, maybe the most hardened criminal, um, at the sight of a, of a, of a pregnant woman might, you know, cause you, in a moment we're going to see, uh, uh, Hans's reaction to yes. when Holly mentions a pregnant woman and, you yeah. know, he, he sort of looks like, you know, God, why can't, why can't I just have more gunfire and explosions here? Yeah, seriously. He's <laughs> like, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's 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 interesting because I think in reality Hans Gruber uh, would be, you know, t- tough luck. You exactly. Think I care? You know, 
he knows what's going to happen to these people. So the fact that he's showing them a little kindness and humanity is, you know, I think it's I think it's a nice touch to show, OK, this guy isn't quite so cold and he does have a reasonable side. No, um, but I think it's also part of the fact that he doesn't he doesn't want chaos. If he were to, you know, if he were to say, OK, I don't yeah. really care. I'm going to be killing all these people. So it doesn't matter what happens to them. You know, I. I he would he would lose control. He wants to be in control the entire time. So even if he gives yeah. in to some minor concessions to them, you know, and they're yeah. they're, they're reasonable concessions. You know, Hans is is not you know a uh, scum of the earth. I mean, he is someone who, if you look at him, you know, he's he's you know the way he's dressed, the way he acts, the way he talks. You know, he thinks of himself as being upper class, even if he isn't. But he thinks of himself that way. Mm -hmm. So therefore, he still needs to treat people in a uh, humane way, even though he's planning on killing them. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds a little funny to say it that way. But but, you know, up until then, he he wants to keep control of everything that's going on up until up until he doesn't need to anymore. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And a good a good leader knows that. All right. If I give you this. Yeah, you'll. You'll be out of my hair. You'll be quiet. And it gives me some leverage. If I tell you to do something later, you're going to be more, you know, it's, 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 it's a win-win for Hans Gruber to say, yes. And, you know, he can, he can, it's an, you, you might have it in your notes. There's an interesting, you know, little concession. It's like, we can bring the, we'll bring the couch in. Right. We're in control. You know, it's a little, but it's like, um, no, I'm not going to grant you the request you want, but I, I will do this. He counters. So he's a, he's a good negotiator. I can imagine him and some of his previous schemes, you know, doing all kinds of, you know, hostage negotiations. And he probably just is always looking for the upper hand. Right. Cause but, he's a, but if, he's a but if that's villain. the case, he should have thought about some of these things beforehand. You know, but well, we're getting ourselves, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So one second. So yeah, first true, of all, true. first of all, I love how this minute opens up with six seconds of silence. You know, mm-hmm. where, where we get to see. I mean, one of the things that I love about this movie is that they're they're not afraid to to give us, you know, moments of silence. You know, like they say in a great marriage or in a great relationship, you know, you can you can go through, you know, you can just sit and you don't need to talk and everything's great and everything's like that. So it's a similar type of thing here that, you know, most of the time from, from what I know about movies, you know, they, they want to edit as much as possible so that you have, you know, as tight of a, of, of a movie as possible with, with where there's something going on at the entire time and, the, and that there's, there's, you know, dialogue and, you know, everything's moving. But they give us six seconds here of just of, of Hans Gruber, you know, Alan Rickman's reactions here, which is great. You know, he's like yeah. he's standing up and then he sits down. And it's important, but, you know, you'd think that the bureaucrats who are, you know, who are funding this movie would probably have said, oh, you know what? That's six seconds too much. You should have cut that down. Maybe originally it was 12 seconds and they cut it down to six. You know, that's possible too. You never really know. But he does pause for a very long time, but we see the look on his face that he's contemplating whether he needs to listen to Holly or not. Yeah. And then he says to her, okay, go on. Like, what What, what do you want? So she goes, yeah. we have a pregnant woman out there. And, you know, as you mentioned before, the look on his face is classic. 
you know, he's, <laughs> his, his eyes like roll, roll in a way that looks as if he's a complete shock, you know, but wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't he have noticed before seeing someone very pregnant? I mean, I'm assuming he looked at, at who all the hostages are, or maybe he didn't, you know, maybe, maybe he's saying to himself, you know, I want to distance myself from the hostages as much as possible so that I don't, uh, you know, get any attachments to them. That could be. Right. See, yeah. I, I, answered, I, was, I answered my own question. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's, you know, it's your, your classic, like, a cr- crime movie and real-life crime. You you plot, you know, you have the perfect plan. But then, you know, there's some little, you know, there's some little loophole, something you couldn't possibly have foreseen. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah, one of our one of our hostages is very pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that reaction could almost be him slapping his forehead. Yeah. It completely. doesn't get that far. Completely. But, and uh, yeah, he just, yeah, the irony of it is, is that, you know, we know that, that uh, Ginny's been uh, drinking all night. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, there, there might be problems with this baby later on. Who knows? <laughs> and yeah, so then Holly quickly eases his concern by saying, relax. She's not due for yeah. a couple of weeks. But sitting on that rock isn't doing her back any good. So I would like permission to move her to one of the offices where there's a sofa. So my first question is, is why is there a sofa in an office? You know. <laughs> um, and why is she sitting on a rock? <laughs> you know, they couldn't find some better place for her to sit than ever sitting on a rock in the middle of that. Yeah. You know, this it's it's where they're having the party. You know, you think that a rock that there there must be some place for people to sit. It's, I, I doubt it's just people are mingling, you know, by walking around and that there's no place to sit down and have a, a discussion with somebody while you're taking a drink. Well, I think I think Holly's also maybe you know, stressing her point. You know, she she she's, she wants things. You know, this is, this is interesting, Rob. This is also kind of ties into what we were talking yesterday about um, how did uh, Holly rise so fast in Nakatoni and she's like one she's she's dealing with a superior who she's being very respectful with but she's also being very direct and blunt and you know she's she's making she's got good points for everything so you know this is this is how she became a fast climber at Nakatoni yeah is uh, probably doing similar things and you know knowing you know just yeah, knowing how, when, and where to ask a big shot something. Right. True. And, uh, yeah. So then, and, then, yeah, but you know, in, in reality, there should have been some comfy chairs. Uh, yeah. and I think, I think there's one man who knows why there's a couch in a room, and that's Ellis. Well, no. Well, I, I don't know. He might, because we, we know, we, okay, we, we know that if Ellis was, was living in today's world, he would have been uh, arrested for sexual harassment uh, 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 very quickly, <laughs> years ago. <laughs> he wouldn't have made it as as far as he did, you know. But especially just if you look at the way that he was talking to Holly at the beginning of the movie, you know, yeah. he's he's already position propositioning, you know, his his uh, I guess you could say immediate underling, uh, who he knows is married. You know, come come to my house and I'll, I'll have we'll have wine and cheese. You know, it's like, <laughs> but but then that makes me wonder if they're talking here about you know offices having sofas. Now you probably recall that 
towards the beginning of the movie when John and Holly are talking in Ellis's office or Ellis's bathroom. So at that point, you know, there are two characters who, you know, burst into the office uh, in order to have sex. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's because everyone knows I was, I was wondering why they, you know, why they came to that office. But then again, maybe everyone knows that Ellis's office is the one with the couch. Yeah. <laughs> But then they they ended up uh, you know in a different office uh, where they where they were on someone's desk, so I, I I guess that means that that Ellis is one of the few people who who, who might have a sofa, you know, <laughs> or or maybe that was the only place that was that was available at that point. Uh, maybe maybe at that point in the party, uh, most of the offices with sofas were already uh, uh, occupied. I guess you could say. <laughs> it is it is the office Christmas. Yes, that is true, <laughs> and. So Hans then gives a response, no, but I'll have a sofa brought out to you. Good enough. So it's it's an easy concession for him to make. But as as we said before, you know, it's 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 a little bit of the give and take. You know, let's let's make them yeah. think that we can be reasonable here and that we're not gonna kill them. You know, even though that's what we're gonna be doing. <laughs> yeah. But but wouldn't that get yeah. all the other people Hans- jealous? You know, you have you have all these other people. They're going to bring out one sofa and let Ginny lie down on it, and then everyone else is going to say, "Oh, come on, I want to sit on something more comfortable." You know, Ellis isn't <laughs> going to complain. Ellis is going to say, "That's my couch." <laughs> Only, yeah. Oh, maybe Ellis is Ginny's baby's father. Ooh, <laughs> that would that would get him even more jealous. <laughs> more more diehard fan fiction. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, I like that. I like that. But um, I just, I would, I would, I would just say, since I love talking about him, that we don't, we don't see him. Um, uh, but I'm assuming, actually, you probably know where Al Leong is. Is is uh, is Al Leong guarding uh, the hostages? Or is no, he not right now. Building. He's not. He's not guarding them right now. Okay. He's he's downstairs still. Okay. Okay. He's he's waiting uh, for the assault downstairs. I, gotcha, gotcha. Because which uh, which I think you, which I think I think happens next movie? week, if I remember correctly. I think that's yeah. where it begins. Yeah, this part of it, we're we're heading towards that. But yeah. um, in an action movie, it's we, always important to know where Ali Young is. Especially, you need to know also where the candy bars are. But we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, <laughs> very. Yeah. Actually, or you can say um, wherever the candy bars are, that's where Ali Young is. <laughs> <laughs> follow the candy wrappers um there you, go. <laughs> there you go there you go but yeah this is uh yeah it's i think it's uh one thing one thing about hans gruber is he always seems to be one or two steps ahead of everybody and i think this is a it's you know he's not being magnanimous he's being crafty yes that's true and yeah. you know, and he, Holly Holly yeah. gives into gives into what he says and says good enough, and then continues yeah. by saying, and unless you want to let it, unless you like it messy, I said bring us some goop yeah. to the bathroom. <laughs> you know now yeah I mean come on these people have been waiting at least like sun uh, sunset was was around five o'clock okay and mm-hmm. I guess this is probably let let's say this is maybe nine o'clock at night. Later on, we'll we'll know for sure when it's ten o'clock. So, you know, at this yeah. point, oh no, sorry, 
the ten, no, sorry, we we already talked about uh, last week when uh, you know Gail Wallens uh, had you know was talking about uh, the news. So at that point it was already ten o'clock. So so let's say it's ten thirty now. Okay. So it means means these people have been sitting there waiting five and a half hours. Now remember, these are people drinking at a party. You know, it that means they've been holding it in for a very long time. You know, because if people have been drinking a lot, they're, they're going to need to, especially if they're anxious and are in a situation right now where, you know, where they don't know what's going to be happening. They they, they all might have, uh, you know, they, they might have bladder problems. How's that? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um... and I love I love uh, Hans's response he goes, yes, you're right. It will be done. So he's. He's conceding to the fact that he made a mistake here, basically. You know, so you mentioned earlier that maybe yeah. in previous hostage situations he's done things differently, but you know, he's planned this so meticulously. He didn't think about the fact that there are going to be thirty people that are going to have to use the bathroom over six, eight, ten hours, however long you know this whole crisis is going to yeah. go. You know, it shouldn't be that difficult yeah. to start taking people in in groups. Yeah. And uh, it, I would th- even even for a heartless supervillain, it just would go easier. Um, you know, I think it's it's a, I think it might just be a tactical decision. Yeah, take them into the bathroom. Um, and uh, again, it sort of then also gives him some leverage. Like I'm not so bad, right? No, why don't all of you climb on that helicopter to freedom? You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I can, I can imagine, um, Rickman and McTiernan, you know, having some conversations about like, you know, how, how villainous do you want me to be, John? Or can I, you know, how about, you know, and like, that's where, you know, could I, could I take a beat here? You know, I'm like, cause you know, it's obviously, they gave this guy a lot of room yeah. and because, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, it's it's Rickman's intuition. It's worth it's worth mentioning again, like, you know, this actor's, uh, you know, he has he has that sense of when to take a beat, when to take a breath. Um, let me think. Picture picture. <laughs> Picture, if you will, Klaus Kinski playing Hans Gruber. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> and would have far, you know, far different. Um, but you know, I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, because you know, uh, Hans Gruber is a Bond villain. Let's say that. Yes. Uh, but he's a he's. Um, he's a, he's a very cerebral Bond villain. I think what what makes him such a memorable character isn't necessarily his villainy; it's his intelligence. Yes, it's his craftiness. That's what I think. You know, and it's his ability to you know in this movie, uh, it's you know it's point counterpoint. It's the cat and mouse. It's the it's the chess game that he's got going with human playing pieces. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we know Rickman can do those great, you know, explosive volcanic things, but he, he really, you know, most of the time he's this, 
you know, he's this he's sort of this quiet. Uh, like I said, in this, in this, he's almost more like a headmaster at a school. Yeah, you you know that you this know, was his like, very won't, first. Won't even look up at her. He's, you know, you know that you know that uh, this was his very first uh, uh, film role. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it's a you know a funny thing, little uh, what we remember. I I happen to be watching Johnny uh, Johnny Carson when Bruce Willis made his first appearance. Oh wow. Uh, on that show, to uh, so there was a little bit of you know, nice to meet you, Johnny. Nice to meet you, Bruce. And the one, you know, the movie I think was opening that night. Um, because I remember Bruce doing, you know, Johnny saying, "Well, I know you got to go to the premiere, so thanks for stopping by." And you know, uh, always, always a little bit cooler when the celebrity leaves and does the wave. Like, yeah, ah, I got to go to the premiere. But I gotta, yeah, go, I got to go to Bruce see said, more important people than than you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't you wish you were me? But once it's funny, like 35 years later, I remember Bruce Willis saying, oh, this guy playing the bad guy, Alan Rickman, this is, you know, like him being excited. This is his first movie and you're going to you're going to be blown away by this guy. Literally. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> he has explosive plans. But just it was like I was like, wow. OK, so uh, it was just, you know, like, you know. He was more excited about everybody seeing his co-star and what a badass he is. Like, you're going to really dig this guy. And yeah, him mentioning this is his first movie. And um, there you go. Oh, wow. All right. I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to look, see if I can find a, a clip of that, of Bruce Willis and Carson. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's up, up there I have somewhere. to try to find that. Yeah. See if we can get that. And, and then he looks at her. And goes, was there something else? Meaning, you know, he's 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 acting very cordial. I mean, we we know that he's planning on killing everybody, but he's like, okay, what else do you want? <laughs> you've you've just given me yeah. two easy things to concede to. What what else can you give me to concede to that that will be you know that that will be good for me until I kill you all? You know that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes, no, thank you. You know, it it, it makes it yeah. seem as if they're they're in the middle of a. Uh, you know, in, in the middle of like a business meeting, you know, they're, yeah, they're, this isn't a hostage, uh, you know, uh, a hostage situation, the way that they're, they're having this uh, discussion. And I love how, yeah. you know, the shot of him, you can see, you know, the, the, the picture of her behind, behind him, you know, so he's, yeah, you know, he happens to be in her office, you know, that, that's the, yeah, you know, and then he like asks her, Oh, Mr. Mr. Takagi chooses chooses people well, Mrs. And then she responded, Gennaro, Miss Gennaro. So yeah, first of all, her name is on the door. You'd think that at some point he mm-hmm. would have tried to to like look. I mean, he wouldn't care, but just to see whose office he's in, you know, get an idea. You know, now also I wonder how does this deception work work in her favor. You know, she's not thinking about John. She's not saying to herself, okay, if he knows I'm married, she's, he's going to, you know, like, like what she's, she's not offering herself, you know, as, as a single woman to, you know, to him or anything like that. So like, what is, what, what does she gain out of it? Yeah. Well, this is where you're going to have to remind me that, you know, in this amazing house of cards, that is the script for this movie. 
you know, when, you know, cause there's a lot of, I know something you don't. And, you know, we know the, we, the audience, well, we know that the audience know the whole thing, but I'm trying to remember, does Holly know, Holly knows John somewhere in the building. Does she know that? Well, she knows that he killed know, Tony. Being we know, we know that, yeah. that, that she saw, uh, the, the body of Tony show up in, in the elevator. Yeah. And she actually also, in the script, it mentions that she knows that it's John because that's his sense of, that's his type of sense of humor. You know, to do the whole, whole yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just stuff like that. Yeah, that just occurred to me. Is right. Like, you know, so she knows that he's running around. So, so I think in her mind, yeah. she's saying, okay, you know, if, if he thinks that I'm Mrs. But again, he's, she's Mrs. Gennaro, even if she's a Mrs. there. Yeah. It, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, where, where this deception will, will try to take her. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I imagine just, yeah, it's, it's, it's where we wonder, you know, as human beings, would we think of this? Or, you know, is this just tight script writing? But, you know, I think Holly is also thinking one step ahead. If they find John, uh, you know, like, well, yeah, she might, you know, I think she might have a, enough of a grasp of the situation. John's out there. And I don't want to be used as a pawn in any way in this. Right. So she's keeping her. But it's still, I mean, it's like, and but it's like Hans is, you know, you can hear the gears in his analog mind going, oh, and who you are and what is your, and what are you doing? And, you know, and she, but she, I think has, I think, yeah, because she knows John is out there being John. Like, the less you know about me, the better. Right. And, uh. That's probably also a New York thing. You know, mind your own. My name is Mrs. Mind Your Own Bad Business. <laughs> you know, basically. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's because, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's uh, it is an interesting. It's an interesting dialogue, because in a way you look at it and say, do we need this? But it's like it shows one. Ollie's a badass herself. Uh, two Hans, uh, has a brain like a hungry shark. Yes. <laughs> he is always on. Um, and you have to be, I think you all have to be careful. Except that he doesn't know, notice that the, one of the pictures is, is flat, is facing down, you know, is flat. <laughs> the one of the pictures behind him, you know. And would he pick up on that? He's got a lot on his mind. No, but maybe, um, you know what, as, as we're thinking through this, maybe that's why yeah. she says miss. Because she says to herself, if he knows that she's married, he might turn around and look at the pictures, see pictures of kids, and then say, oh, well, maybe there's yeah. a picture of her husband. So let's let's just, you know, randomly look to see who her husband is. It wouldn't do any good because he doesn't know what John looks like at this point. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's yeah. what's going through her mind. Yeah. I would just – another speculative thing. I would imagine being the wife of a police detective, you get into situations where you just don't. Yeah, you know, you don't talk about, you know, who you are, what your husband does for whatever reason, like in the middle of it, you know, there, you know, there may be times when in the past when he was in an investigation of some kind and, you know, she just, you know, hey, if anybody comes to the door, don't answer the door, you know, right. just whatever being, you know, being a cop's wife, I think probably has, you learn certain things. Um, right. Okay. You know, yeah, I work with your husband. 
Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but still, it's you know, it's two very sharp people, and that they gave these these two actors, you know, this scene. And yeah, like the the subtlety of it. Um, I think if you were to sh- shoot this scene um, today, the temptation would be even greater. Like, oh, let's up the ante, add the tension, have Gruber hold a gun just to create some, you know, have him circle around her, do something right. over. This is just, he's just like, I'm at my desk and, you know, he's slightly annoyed. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it gets, I think it gives Rickman a chance to like, you know, I'd like to show he's not just a villain and, you know, kind of, right. you know, you've, even supervillains have like roll their eyes. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, do you have anything else you want to say about this Fair minute enough. before we get into the script? Um, I would just like, you know, maybe just add. Um, yeah, I think I'll hold, I think I'll hold off because I think uh, I think I can wait till the end to to make a point about something. Okay. Um, but let's get into the script. Okay. So the script only has two minor, very minor changes uh d- between what's in in the final uh shooting in the final movie and, and what's in the script so one of the things is that holly mentions that it or actually both are in holly's speech about Ginny. she goes we have a pregnant woman out there relax she's not due for two weeks but a marble floor isn't doing her back any good okay so again hmm. as opposed to saying that she's sitting on a rock she's sitting on the floor that actually makes more sense that they're they're huddling, you know, all of the the hostages on the floor, as opposed to saying she's yeah. on a rock. You know, like again, we we see what the the whole room looks like. You know, there's there's all those waterfalls and the the Japanese uh, feng shui or whatever you want to call that stuff. You know, that there are rocks and stuff like that. So okay, she could be sitting on a rock, but it makes more sense to say that everyone's sitting on the floor. So you yeah, know, it just mentions yeah, the fact that she's that she's on the floor and that she's doing two weeks as opposed to a couple of weeks, which, which I guess saying two weeks makes it more urgent, you know, as opposed to saying that she's doing a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. The minor, yeah, yeah. minor difference. More of a time tape. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So every Tuesday we have a segment called off the beaten track holiday edition, where my guest will give a little story anecdote. Uh, adventure, misadventure, something that that happened to them uh, somehow related to the holidays. So, Britt, you got a story for us? Yeah, I got a good one. Great. Got a good one. It's a Halloween story. Ooh. We did uh, this. This shall air the beginning of October. We got uh, Halloween on the end of October. Uh, I'll tell you the story of um, one Halloween night and the best fight I ever saw. Wow. All right, give it to us, give it to us. This takes place uh, about 15 years ago in Osaka, Japan. And at the time, I was I was in a rock and roll band, and we were touring, and we were in Osaka for Halloween. And it was pretty cute being in another country on Halloween. Um, Do they celebrate Halloween it was in, definitely... in, in Japan? It's interesting. It's, uh, for the most part, no... I got the impression it was kind of like, um, like for younger, like teenagers, younger po- folks, um, uh, blah, 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 you know, Gen X kind of kids. It was sort of like, it was like a hipster thing. Like, um, 
you know, and it's just, you know, like an, ex- like an excuse for ki- kids like, oh, yeah, we can dress up and be crazy. And um, I suppose maybe it's it's sort of like, you know, Mardi Gras in other cities okay. or other places. Okay, that's yeah. So it's like some people know it. It's like, hey, I'm having a Halloween party. So this was Halloween night. And uh, so, yeah, there was some like I'd say in the audience, there are definitely some people dressed up. And one guy in particular who worked at the club who was wearing uh, a uh, Pikachu kegarumi. Oh, and it wow. was kind of like big, it's like <laughs> sleepy pajama top. So he looked like a very tall Pikachu. And you ever have you ever have those moments where something happens and it's like, wow, this looks like it's happening just like in a movie. Yeah. And what, so what happens? I'm outside of this little club. And it was an underground club. It was like a bomb shelter. And the local biker gang shows up. And these guys are straight out of like an action movie. They look like 1950s greasers. They did. Yeah, they look. Yeah. And they ride up in their bikes and you see this crowd of people just part. <laughs> Because everybody's afraid of these guys and they get off their bike and they park wherever they want and they swagger around. And a a guy says to me, yeah, they're the real deal. They they're errand boys for the Yakuza. Like, okay, (laughs) Yeah. Steer clear. (laughs) Yeah. And they're just kind of strutting around like like gangsters do. And end of the night, I don't know what happens, but I'm kind of in a corner near the front door trying to get some air. And I hear kapow, bang, bang, boom. And I turn and I see one of these bikers kind of falling backwards, like somebody hit him really hard. And he's kind of shaking it off and he's getting it up and he's putting his fists up. And there on Halloween night, I see a perfectly delivered flying sidekick, like in a movie. This is for real. And it's the guy in the Pikachu costume. <laughs> and he delivers, boom! I can't remember if he hit the guy in the chest or in the head, but it was like, it was like a straight on, you only see it in the movies, flying kick delivered by a Pokemon. Wow. <laughs> Takes the guy out. And that was it. That was it. The fight was over at that point. And I don't know, uh, I guess the other bikers were had enough respect for the guy in the in the Pikachu uh, jammies that they left him alone. But, uh, and then, you know, that was, that was that. And the bikers left and, and then the night um, I'm ready to leave. And I see this sad looking guy in his Pokemon costume, just sweeping the floor. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I got to do everything around here. I sweep up. I'm the bouncer. I had to kick a guy in the head, but uh, yeah, that that was Halloween in Osaka, Japan, around 2006. Wow, that's a great story. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Glad you liked it. I did. Glad you I liked did. it. I will. Yeah, I will admit. You know, over the years, I might have gotten certain facts wrong, but that's, that's pretty much how I remember it. And it's it's, uh, it's it's maybe been embellished a little bit, but he the dude definitely kicked the biker. All right, <laughs> that I that I can. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You do that. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you, Brett? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm Brett Stillo, uh, a lovable rogue. You can you know you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, you could just. Uh, 
if you really want to get in touch with me, my email is countfink at gmail.com. If I don't know, I, uh, I'm available for podcasts. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit of an indie filmmaker myself. I make short films and, uh, do a lot of film editing. I'll do a lot of video stuff and, uh, help me out at your wedding. How's that? <laughs> so I'm around, um, and I'm always available to talk about movies. You'll, you'll do a minute by minute at someone's wedding. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yes, that would be fascinating. Yes. To break it down minute by minute. Um, or that could be incredibly boring. That might be punishment. Yeah, I don't know. Depends uh, on for who. Depends on for who. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Own Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website. And uh, obviously, please go rate, review, and subscribe any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. So until tomorrow. Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.